On this week's Deseret News Youth Insiders podcast, we break down the Weber State game, look ahead to the Northern Illinois game. We have an interview with Utah wide receiver COC Mariner. We catch up with Utah Broadcasting Tom Barberry and introduce a new segment called Utah by Five in his honor. And Scott Mitchell joins us in studio to make our pigskin picks for the week. That and more on Ute Insiders. Welcome to the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. I'm Dirk Facer, longtime beat writer for the Utes. Joined here today by Mike Sorensen and Trent Wood, colleagues and friends. Guys, how are you? Good. Doing great. All right. Let's have some fun. Let's get this thing rolling. I think, first of all, maybe we ought to introduce ourselves a little bit. Uh, I'm Dirk, and I've worked at the Deseret News for about 25 years, and I've covered a variety of things. The last 16 years, I've covered the Utes. So I kind of know what's going on up there, or at least I pretend I do. Mike? Uh, I'm Mike Sorensen. I've been working at Deseret News longer than you two guys have been alive almost, but it's been <laughs> a long time, and I, uh, I've been working there for 39 years. I've covered Utah off and on since about 1980, in the 1980s, and um, just enjoying it this year. Trent? Um, I'm Trent Wood. I'm the newcomer on the block. I've been with Deseret News for three years now. I've done mostly prep sports, but now I get to do Utah football, and I'm just excited. And, you know, as we do the podcast each week, Amy Donaldson and Brad Rock will pop in every once in a while, and they're not with us this week, but they're with us in spirit. Good to have you around, and appreciate you listening to the podcast. Guys, let's talk about the Weaver State game. You took it off to a 41-10 to 10 victory for the season. What did you guys notice uh, most, Mike? What did you think? Well, you know, it was really a slow start. I was kind of worried, like a lot of fans were. I mean, I'm not worried myself, but just thought, man, these guys are just, uh, they're not looking like they're supposed to. Everybody said they'd have this great season, and they were just playing, just kind of, uh, they couldn't get a first down, and they made mistakes the first quarter. And then once they got rolling, they just looked like they were uh, just totally dominant over Weber State, who had, you know, just couldn't keep up with Utah at all. And then they just kind of, it just took them a long time to get going, though. Yeah, now, Trent, you wrote about the defense a little bit in the game. What did you say? I mean, they ended up holding the Wildcats to 59 yards when they finally figured the stats out after the game. Yeah, I mean, the story of that game for the defense was the defensive line, which was a question mark coming into the year. Everybody knew the, the secondary was going to be great, but that defensive line was incredible. John Penasini was great. I mean, they looked really good. Obviously, Weber State and FCS team, but the D-line looked like the D-lines of the old. Yeah, it was a good start for the U.S. Now, one of the question marks going into the game was the wide receiving core. I don't yeah. know if we got a complete answer on that. Uh, Mike, what was your observations how the receivers did? Well, I was really impressed for the most part. You know, 12 different guys caught passes, including a couple of three tight ends caught passes. And, uh, you know, I thought that, you know, of course, Britton Covey, you know, big things were expected of him. And right. although it was a little bit of a question mark since he just came back from his mission, but he just looked like he was better than ever. And, you know, in COC, now we got to call him Mariner. He played great, had six catches, and, uh, you know, a couple of guys, I was kind of concerned, you know, I don't think Samson Nakua, did he even get a catch? Uh, he was supposed to be, you know, he's a starter. And, right, and I remember right. after the game, the coach said a couple of guys didn't really show up, and he might have been one of the guys he was talking about. But on the whole, you know, he was, the, the freshman played well, and I thought on the whole that they were kind of a, it's kind of a bright spot. Although they did drop a few passes, and I almost thought that was maybe because Tyler Huntley was firing in there so hard a couple of times that it was nobody could have caught those balls. Right. But uh, once he got them in there, these guys, uh, on the whole, they played very well, I thought. Yeah, what were your observations? I thought Solomon Ennis was a revelation. He only had two catches, but he came in. He showed no fear whatsoever as a true freshman, played great. I mean, obviously, Siosi and Britton were great. Uh, Damari Simpkins and, 
and Samson Nakua, I, I think, can definitely improve. Both of them had some drops, some plays that they probably should have done, and they didn't. But it was the first game, and they can bounce back. All right, at Monday's press conference, I had a chance to catch up with the uh, COC Mariner, and we had a nice little conversation. I'd like to play that for you right now. Just talking about the receiving core. You guys have worked hard this offseason, obviously, and got game one under your belt. How do you feel the receiving core did? I mean, um, we obviously, you know, um, you just look at the game, you put a lot of balls in the ground. But I was really um, I was really pleased with our effort in the run blocking and um, kind of staying locked in, you know, being a good teammate and just throwing things like that, staying upbeat throughout the whole game. It was times, you know, because the game was down, was a little flat, but uh, just to stay to stay on each other and stay consistent, I'll say, um, with the energy and just letting each other know it's going to be all right and just having Karen and we're down a little job and just things like that. That's what I was really pleased with. But obviously we left a lot of balls in the ground. There's things we can do better and um, that's going to be like the key focus this week. You lost your top two receivers as far as catches last year, but obviously you got yourself and Britton and guys stepping up. Have you guys been grown into that role? Do you feel like you can overcome the loss? heavy personnel losses like you had? Of course, you know, um, we always have to have to prove it and uh, I still feel like we're going to prove it this season with a uh, guy like Demari and Brian Thompson and Bronson Boyd and other key guys like that, so um, you know, it's going to be really exciting, you know um, we got finally got game one on our belt, we're excited for game two against Northern Illinois and uh, we're ready to get to work this week and uh, really improve on some of the areas we need to. Has it helped to have the quarterback situation even though there was a competition that Tyler's back and how big of a strength is that when you're trying to reload the uh, receiving core to have a, a quarterback that you knew that, who the guy was going to be and kind of worked with him in the offseason. Is that a huge help? Yeah, I mean, it was a help, but you know, um, our mindset is no matter who's back there, you know, we got okay. like to make them right. And, um, you know, if it was Tuttle, Shelly, or even, you know, it's obviously Snoopy, but like, we got to um, hold it up and make them right and make feel like they're making the best decision and um, make them comfortable when they're throwing us the ball. So that's why we got uh, Work so hard this off season with them, with all three guys, just to really make sure we're down with time with all of them. Is Tyler a better passer this year than he was last year? Are you all better and what you do? I mean, I'd say he's an all-around um, better player. You know, he's a better leader. You know, he's better in different areas of his game, and uh, he's just taking everything under his wing. And uh, you know, it's been exciting to see his growth. And uh, we're gonna go big face with Tyler back there too. All right, last question. What are, what are your individual goals this season? Is it, is it are they team oriented, or do you have a number of receptions you'd like to have? It's team oriented. I want to go right out there and run a roll. Yeah, yeah, that's my that's my goal. Do you think about it when you play there? I mean, I know you guys have a game there this year in the actual Rose Bowl. Yeah, nice you know, to go back a second time, right? Yeah, it's like you know, you can't slip your mind. Go like we can, we can be here. We can be here. You know, if we do what we need to do, so that's obviously motivation. We go out there. So yeah, you know, it's really exciting playing a Rose Bowl. Let you know it's somewhere you can be if you do the right things. Welcome back. We'd like to introduce a segment now called Utah by Five, where we pay homage to former Utah broadcaster Tom Barberry, who coined the phrase Utah by Five and is also taking credit for inventing tailgating up on the hill. Our Amy Donaldson got a chance to catch up with him. All right, Tom, so just tell me, uh, where did you get the idea for Utah by Five? Where did it come from? Well, it was kind of an accident. Uh, Bill Howard, the uh, famous sportscaster, used to do the play-by-play for the Stars. Mm -hmm. Remember the Utah Stars? Yes, I do, yeah. Anyway, he was my sportscaster on my show, and uh, one day we were talking about the upcoming games, and then Bill always introduced him, and he asked me for predictions. And so he says, what do you think about uh, Utah this week? And just off the top of my head, for no reason at all, I said, five. And knowing that five is a real hard spread to ever hit in football, yeah. Bill said, five? Where'd you? I said, yes, it's going to be Utah by five. 
just off the top of my head. Yeah. And so the next week, same thing. Utah's playing so-and-so. What do you think? Oh, it's going to be Utah by five. And it just became a phrase. <laughs> and it caught on. Everybody yeah. starts saying, and tease me about Utah by five because... By yeah. five in sports is such a ridiculous spread. Yeah, in football especially. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so it just caught on. And so when you said Utah by five, you weren't thinking of who they were playing no. or what. No, you just no. were this is just off the cuff. Yep, just, yeah. you know, a, a stupid thing I was going to just tease Bill with. Aren't you glad that's the phrase that followed you and not some of the other stuff oh, you said? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Thank goodness for that, yeah. And it's so much fun. Now people have T-shirts and bumper stickers and, and license plate frames and it's all. And people see me. And go, Utah by five. So it's became kind of a, just a tagline. Yeah. Well, it's sort of become a, a signal that you're a fan. Sort of like, yes. you know, uh, an Ohio State family yell OH and the other guy yells IO. Yeah. Utah by five means I'm one of you. Like, right? Utes. I got you. Go Utes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I hear tale that you are also responsible for tailgating. Yes. So tell me about the tailgating origin story. Well, I used to tailgate when, when I was living in, in California. We'd go up to the Stanford games. And they had this rickety 90,000-seat wooden stadium. But they used to tailgate under the eucalyptus trees. And I thought, this is so much fun. Everybody's up there, and they're tailgating, and the food and drink and everything else. Mm-hmm. And when I came to Utah, they didn't do this. Mm-hmm. And so I went to a, a program director, Bruce. I said, you know, we, we should start tailgating. So we went up to the U and asked them if we could have a small space in the in the west lot where okay. we could invite people to come up and tailgate. So what's that? Well, you come in an hour or two before the game, yeah. bring up some hot dogs or burgers or sandwiches and beer, yeah. and we have a, a good time. Yeah. So we started out with about 100 people, and uh, other people come and, and walk by, and they see us over there eating and drinking, and they go, it like those guys are having a good time. Yeah. And so it just expanded from there to where it became the whole lot yeah. as a tailgate lot. And then it got so big, uh, they moved us to the uh, VA hospital lot. Oh, gotcha. So yeah. we, they gave us the whole lot up there at the VA hospital, and that became the tailgate lot. Yeah. And we started selling the tailgate passes for uh, five bucks for a season, dollar a game. <laughs> And now you can't get a tailgate pass. Yeah. I mean, they are uh, passed down in families. <laughs> They're because, in wills. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Because you, you can't get one. And I think they were charging like $130, $145 for a tailgate pass for the season. So wow. it just yeah, it just exploded. And I'm so proud to think that I gave it the, the seed to start here. Yeah. So do you have thoughts on what Utah's going to do this year, what their season will be like? I'm so, boy, everything that I read about the, the, the returning players, seniors they've got, and players coming up, uh, it, it's, it's very exciting. What Coach Whittingham has done is really create an incredibly um, competitive program that now is respected in the Pac-12. Yeah. When they first entered the Pac-12, I'm thinking, oh, you know, Pac-12, big Pac-12, you know, all this, because I didn't. Knew about Pac-12 coming from California. I was going to say your California roots are showing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we became uh, became competitive, and we came so close to beating uh, SC. Yeah. And uh, it was a Cal, I think. Um, so give me a prediction on how many wins they're going to get this year. They're going to get 12. 12 wins. 12 okay, wins. going out on a limb there. You bet. No, I'm, 
I've got tremendous confidence. And uh, what Coach Whittingham has done in putting together his, his coaching uh, staff and uh, recruiting uh, mm-hmm. is really wonderful. Yeah. So thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Amy. This is just an absolute pleasure. All right, guys. Uh, game two is upon us now. The Utes are taking on Northern Illinois on the road this week. Uh, it's a, is it a potential trap game, Mike? Is this a bad game to schedule going to a place like Northern Illinois? Northern, I never heard of Northern Illinois. Who is that again? <laughs> uh, you know, they've actually been a pretty good team for several years now. You know, I think they've been to six bowl games in the past decade, and um, it can be. But I, I don't think the fact that it's the second game should be. You know, usually those so-called trap games happen a little later in the year when teams have kind of been going along, and I think they they'll have their full attention, and it's the first road game, so. Uh, you know, I don't think they're quite good enough to be, from what I can tell, to be a team that Utah should be overly concerned with losing to. Now, Trent, before you get your opinion, we talked. Kyle Whittingham mentioned in the post game press conference someone he asked him about making this trip and all that. Yeah. And, um, it was made a, a statement that it was a curious game. That's true. I mean, I read recent, or I recently read something that was pretty interesting about Northern Illinois. They have a better road record than a home record in the past few years, and they lost on the on the road to Iowa pretty handily. So I don't know if Utah will have a struggle in this game. They just don't have a lot that can really challenge Utah. Well, you know, the atmosphere is going to be interesting. Northern Illinois averages 11,000 people to their games. Wow. Uh, there's a chance of rain expected. They're coming off that loss to Iowa. It'd be interesting to see how many people actually show up at the game. Yeah. Uh, do you think the environment will have anything to do with that the Utes can uh, prepare? Trent, what do you think? I mean, Kyle talked about it on Monday during his press conference that he didn't think the environment would have any effect on his players whatsoever, that they just tune out anything that was there anyway. They play in bigger stadiums normally. I don't think it'll have any impact. Mike, Tyler Huntley uh, had a curious comment about this game on Monday. Uh, let me hear, let's hear what he had to say and then get your opinion on that. Now, we could play in the parking lot for all I care. Uh, <laughs> a game is a game, and we just got to come up with a win. Mikey, he talked about playing in a parking lot. Do you think it really matters where the Utes play Northern Illinois? No, I think these guys have been around enough that they should know. Uh, you know, that every game counts the same, and uh, sometimes I mean, you think it should be a lot easier to play in front of just a, a team that's uh, not have doesn't have a big crowd that's yelling in your ear the whole game and you can't hear anything, and so it's just uh, probably kind of like a practice as far as they're concerned. But I don't think it's going to be a big problem, especially. Northern Illinois, you know, their offense was not very good at all last week. They had 212 yards total offense, and and Utah, you know, held Weber to 60 yards or whatever. So I think that should be a – Utah should be able to hold these guys down pretty easily. I would just think so. You know, it's interesting because in the years since – I think Utah's, what, 27-1 in non-conference games since they joined the Pac-12 – this is, you know, they've been to the big house in Michigan. They've been places like that and prevailed – this could be a little bit different just because Northern Illinois has proven to be kind of a dangerous program over the years. But And that Iowa game was 3 nothing, you know, in the second half before things got kind of out of hand. But do you think with the Washington Huskies on the schedule next week, any chance that they overlook this one and maybe get into more of a battle than they anticipated? Mike, what do you think? Well, uh, you know, every year Utah loses a game they shouldn't. So right. maybe this will be the one. They'll do it early. But uh you know, I think uh, the fact that it is so early in the season and they've just played a, a game that was, not not say a gimme, but a pretty f- easy game for them last week, that they'll know it's going to be a tougher game this week and they're and they're looking forward. So I can't imagine they're going to be overlooking him enough that they can probably uh, come out with a loss. 
Trent, can you, can you worry about both sets of dogs, or you got to take on one set first? You know, I think the Weber State game was actually a blessing for Utah, and they started so slow. I can't imagine that they don't start well against Northern Illinois, so I don't think they're going to overlook them at all because they're going to want to make up for a miserable start. All right, it's time for our Pac-12 Pick'em segment. We're joined today by former Utah great and NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell. Scott, appreciate you being here with us. No problem. Glad to be here. Thank you. Okay, fine. Well, here we go. We're gonna each week. We're gonna go through the games in the Pac-12 South and let you know what we think and pick a winner in each game. Uh, we'll start with the Arizona Houston game. The Wildcats obviously coming off that loss to BYU that surprised a lot of people. They got a tough one this week. Uh, in that one, I think I'm going to go with Arizona to bounce back, even though Houston's a quality team and that's a quality road game. Mike, what do you think? I'm going with Houston. I don't think Arizona's as good as everybody thinks they are, and I think Houston's a pretty good team, and it's at Houston, so I'll go with Houston. Trent? I agree with you, Dirk. I think Arizona bounces back. Scott? Um, I'm I'm in the Houston corner because okay. uh, Arizona has a problem. Uh, <laughs> they have major problems. Not impressed with that offensive line. Defense is kind of in shambles. It's going to take some time for Khalil Tate to get used to this new offense. He just didn't. He did not look very good at all uh, this first week. Was that a play calling problem in your opinion? I don't, I don't think it's a play calling as much as it is. It's a so he's a run first guy, and I think they're trying to get him. If you if you remember Johnny Manziel, and right. you know, everyone's like, okay, you know, Kevin Sumlin is is you know Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel threw the ball well okay. from the beginning, and and to Khalil Tate, there's you know there's not he's not the same pure passer maybe. And it just looked like to me they're trying to get him to be more of a passer first, and then run second option, and may, maybe that maybe they'll just after a while just kind of throw the the you know the baby out with the bathwater, just start all over and just say, look, we're gonna let we're gonna let this guy just go and do what he is and who he is. Uh, I hope they don't do that before uh, Arizona plays Utah because he's right. a scary player. But I, I just. I just think a lot of it is he's a runner first, and he and he's not really a good a good passer. Okay, appreciate it. Next up, UCLA at Oklahoma. Uh, to t- steal a phrase from the old uh, musical, I think for UCLA it's going to be L O S E R losers. I think they're in trouble. What do you think? Yeah, I think Oklahoma should win this, maybe like fifty to ten or something. I think it should be no uh, no contest. Thanks, Mike Trent. Oklahoma, Scott. Uh, I concur. <laughs> okay. UCLA's young, they, you know, very inexperienced. This this is going to be a tough game for. Them. All right, let's jump into Colorado at Nebraska. That's an intriguing old uh, uh, Big Twelve matchup, uh, rivalry renewed. I think Colorado's in over their head though. Nebraska didn't get to play their opener last week because of the thunderstorms and that. Their game with Akron got canceled, so this will be their season debut. Uh, even though Colorado's been on the field once, I'm going to go with Nebraska. Yeah, I agree. I think Nebraska should win, although Colorado looked awfully good last week in winning by 30 points in that rivalry game. But uh, it's at Nebraska, so I'll go with Nebraska. Trent? I disagree. I think Colorado wins. Nebraska hasn't gotten to play. They're starting a true freshman quarterback, and Scott Frost in his first year at UCF didn't win a game. So I don't think they're all of a sudden going to be great. All right, Scott. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Uh, You know, Colorado every year is just kind of up and down. You just never know what you're going to get. You know, one year they're great, and the next year they're not. Um Gosh, this is this is a tough one. I, I'm gonna. I'm a big. I'm a big Scott Frost fan, and and I think he has the state of Nebraska in a frenzy. And I think their their players just on emotion and on that frenzy will will win this game. I, I don't know how good they're going to be overall this year, but 
but I think they'll they'll come out in this first game and and win against Colorado. I agree with you, Scott. Those are kind of my sentiments: is that uh, Nebraska, Scott Frost, you know, they paid him a lot of money. They're excited to have him back. And there's a lot of hype there, and I know they're extremely disappointed. And there's not a lot of things to do in Lincoln other than go to football games, and they're itchy for a football game. And I think they'll be hyped up and ready. Uh, next up is USC at Stanford, a conference game. So this one's going to have implications, especially if Utah hopes to win the Pac-12 South. It'd be nice uh, for the Utes if Stanford could tag a loss on USC early. Um, looking at this game, though, uh, I'm kind of torn. I, you know, first I thought this might be easily Stanford, but Stanford didn't impress me all that much in the opener. USC's got those horses and that. Uh, wouldn't surprise me. I'm going to go on a flyer and take USC. Sorny. Well, I think it's kind of a toss-up, too, and I have to admit I'm biased on this one for family connections. So I'm going to go with uh, Stanford, and I think that uh, Bryce Love's going to bounce back after a miserable first week, and the fact that it's at Stanford, and I think that they'll be ready to go this time. That's a good point with Bryce Love, because he obviously didn't get off to the start. The Heisman hype was a little subdued, but Trent, what do you think? I think on a yearly basis, this game is a toss-up. One year USC wins, the next year Stanford wins convincingly. I think it's USC this year. Scott? Uh, I'm going to go with Stanford, and it may be a sentimental pick because you know I'm of course a Utah homer, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, so we want we want Stanford to win. But I, I, I know this this freshman quarterback at USC is a great player. He he hasn't been to Stanford. This you know is an easy first game, first time on the road. When when you have all these firsts for guys, they may they may be great down the road, but there's there's just a process of development. And I think I think Stanford's still a very good football team. I believe they'll they'll be better this week. Uh, especially Love will be better. That's what their bread and butter is, and and so I, I just I just see a bounce. I mean, although Stanford won, I still see a bounce back from them, an improvement, and I, I believe they'll beat USC. Well, it certainly helped Utah's cause to tag on a loss on USC, especially early on that Pac-12 South race. Um, a lot of good points, guys. I can see this one going either way. Um, next up, Michigan State at Arizona State. Arizona State kind of took everybody by surprise, I think, even though they're playing UTSA. They played very well. Uh, Michigan State uh, obviously almost got knocked off by the Aggies. Um, looks like it might be easy to take ASU, but I, I think Michigan State's going to bounce back. I think they're a little angry about their performance against USU, and uh, the jury's still out on Arizona State. I don't think we learned much from the San Antonio game. Uh, Trent, why don't you jump next on this one, I'm going to go with ASU. I think if there's a team that ASU can play that they will be prepared for, it's Michigan State. They play more pro-style system. Tempe is extremely hot, and Michigan State won't be prepared for that. I think ASU wins it. Sorny? Yeah, I actually agree. You know, you say it'd be easy to pick Arizona State. I think it'd be hard to pick those guys because Michigan State's ranked, you know, 10th in the country, or they were they're 11th, I guess. Uh, Arizona State wasn't their pick for last in the South Division by many people, and but they played very well last week, and it's down in their place, so... I'll pick an upset with Arizona State. Scott? Uh, I'm going to go with Michigan State. I think they're a really good football team this year, and uh, that there's there, there's such an improvement between game one and game two. Obviously, I think they'll they'll be better. I you know Arizona, the jury's still out. You got to convince me. I don't. I'm not. I'm not convinced that all the pieces are there yet. They didn't have a very quality opponent in the beginning uh, of the season, so so I, I think Michigan State will win this game. All right, let's do the one you fans are most interested in, the final game in the Pac-12 South, Utah at Northern Illinois. A lot of people, you know, we talked about this earlier in the podcast, about it being a trap game possibly and, and this and that and that. Uh, I think Utah wins this one handily. Uh, Sorny? 
I agree. I think Utah should win this. And I was thinking of a score, and I, the score I have in mind is 30 to 9. We'll see if it's, if it's somewhere Tom in that. Tom Barberry's not going to like that. Yeah. that oh, he'll like that points. because it's he, more than five. It's good. Well, he'd think the five, too. <laughs> Trent, what do you think? I think it's the Utes. I think they start fast and play well, and I think they cruise to a win. Scott? Um, before I comment, I, I love these matchups. I mean, these are great second-week uh, games. I mean, just, just in general, if you're a football fan, you know, right. it's it's some awesome matchups. But I, I agree with everyone. Utah's going to win this game. That defense is special, and I, I believe it has the ability to be really good, the Utah defense this year. Uh, Northern Illinois, obviously they were picked to win their, their division in the in the MAC. Um I, I I I agree. I think Utah has a lot of weapons, a lot more weapons offensively. Britton Covey was great, uh, Zach Moss, and I think they'll they'll start faster as long as that offensive line comes out ready to play from the start of the game. Uh, Utah will have a big game, and uh, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they scored forty points. And they, Scott, is the atmosphere going to make a difference there? If it, if there's ten thousand people there and it's a little drizzly, rainy, and that. Is it hard for a team to get hyped up, especially after playing in Rice Cycle Stadium the week before? Uh, you know, it, it could be hard in the in the sense of, you know, it's why did we have to come here in the first place? It, it, you know, it's it's not it's it's not typical right. to have that that kind of home and home type of uh, game. Um, usually, when you have young teams, more of these things affect them. I think Utah, although it's a young team, it, it has a lot of experience. Although, you know, Coach Whittingham said, I think, what, 30 of the 70 players that are on the, the travel roster have never traveled. Right. Uh, so that, that, it's an adjustment as a, as a player when you haven't done it, regardless of where you go, it's an adjustment. So it'll be interesting to see how the players handle it. Um, yeah, you know, really when you get on a football field, football is football. And if you're ready to play, it doesn't matter who you're playing or where you're playing. Good football teams. I just see. I, I'm telling you, I really like Utah's defense, and as long as they have that really good defense, they're they're always going to be in any game this year, where it is or who it is. Oh, appreciate it, Scott. It's a pleasure having you here. You know, a lot of you probably don't realize, but way back in the day when I worked at the Daily Utah Chronicle as a sports editor, Scott was the star of the football team. And uh, it's been fun to watch your career evolve in that, Scott. But can you just fill us in? You, you had your first game doing color yeah, commentary so, for the radio. What so, are you doing these days? Yeah. Well, it was a long time back <laughs> since that time. Uh, some days it feels really long. Other days it feels like yesterday. But uh, I'm a full-time employee at, at KSL. Uh, so I, I'm an on-air host. I, ha- I host three podcasts, uh, That I, one called Helmets Off. I interview former players that I played with wherever, whatever it's been. It's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. I've been doing that about a year and a half. I do another show called Rivals. I've done that with Jason Buck where we kind of play off the BYU-Utah rivalry, so it's more of a local interest type of thing. And then I started um, a show a couple of weeks ago called Really Healthy where I delve into fig- finding real health in my life, um, I, you know, since I stopped playing football, I've had challenges with my weight. I went on this uh, reality TV show called The Biggest Loser, lost 120 pounds, and, and I've gained it all back. And so I'm, I'm looking to find that lasting real health in my life. Then I have a, a show on KSL Radio, which is news radio. We're now turning it back into sports. A lot of people are excited about that. So from 7 to 9 at night, you can hear Unrivaled with me and Alex Curie on KSL uh, Radio. We have a lot of fun with the show. 
mostly talking about uh, local interests, you know, the jazz, the Utes, the Cougars, and et cetera. And then, uh, and then of course, this year I, I have the privilege of doing all the color for the Utah football games, which is the first game was just exciting. It's great to be a part of it. It's great to kind of, uh, you know, like I get to go to all the games. I, mean, I just I feel like a kid at Christmas, so it's been a, it's been a fun experience. Very busy, but yeah, it's it's a lot of good stuff. Appreciate you taking time to join us. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, we'd also like to thank Mike Sorensen and Trent Wood for joining us this week. Pleasure to have you on, guys. Hey, it was a lot of fun. It was good to be here. Always good to be here. And folks, we'd like to have you back next week. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you download your podcasts, and uh, we'll see you next week.